0: The journey that we travel is a winding so
1: today aren't we amen it's good to be here just the local young people God bless you each one that could come and be a part of this service let's say welcome we're gonna have a little a little time afterwards but I just thinking about that song you can't be bound sometimes we got to remind ourselves of the obvious you can't be bound by broken chains It's like that little Johnny Crow running around the little fence post over and over because he was tied up to it, couldn't go away from it, couldn't fly, but they finally came and set him free, and he still said, I can't leave here. I can't go. I'm tied up. They said, no, you're not. You can go. you got to realize sometimes, I'm free. I really am free. All these things I'm struggling with on a day-to-day basis, God's already set me free if I just accept what he's done for me at Calvary. I can walk free from all the things the devil's hampered me with and pressed at me with. Amen. Amen. I just want to make a couple announcements. You can have your seats for a minute or two or ten and uh, say welcome and God bless you. And I know I said that already, but I like to say it a few times to make sure everyone heard me. (laughs) And no one's offended. I didn't get welcomed. You got welcomed. Amen. I just want to say after the service tonight, we are going to take you all to Boston Pizza if you'd like to come. Um, Come and have some fellowship and just everyone could get together there. We've got the room there together and uh, we can enjoy a little fellowship together and it's a bit of an appreciation for what you all did for the the play, for the skit that, that went on and I thank you very much. I was in Ethiopia and there was even brothers there saying, that was good what you did. So it went far and wide, and many have heard it, and many are thankful for what you have done. So I want to say God bless you. Uh, We meant to have a little bit of a video or a blooper reel or a slideshow or something, but we had some technical uh, delays, and uh, it just didn't didn't get done as, as quickly as we would have liked. But coming soon to a screen near you one in your hand probably, one of these, you'll have a video of uh, all the mistakes we made. No, 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 no. It'll be a good video of all the good things that we did, but uh, uh, Brother David is working on it now, and he's, all the technical delays have been worked out, so it's coming, Uh, but I want to say next weekend, in case you didn't get the invite, next weekend is grad. And I know all the ones sitting here have been invited, and if you didn't know that, you are invited. And graduation, the graduation banquet to honor the, those that are graduating this year. Some of them are here present with us, but um, uh, along with that always goes a graduation picnic on the Saturday. This next weekend, the grad picnic will be at Brother Ed and Sister Sandy's house. So it will also be announced next friday at the picnic but i'm telling you right now so sneak peek it'll be 11 a.m at brother ed and sister sandy's house it might seem a little bit early but we moved a little bit earlier this time because we're going to do a saturday evening service as well here at the church with everybody Brother the john andes and then also one service on sunday so there'll be a friday night graduation service Saturday picnic, 11 a.m., there'll be a service on Saturday night. You say, why am I not announcing the time? Because Brother Red's going to do that on Sunday on all the timing of the services, so that way I don't get it wrong. So then you're not hearing conflicting things. Um, but service Saturday night, service Sunday morning, um, next weekend. And then, on June 23rd, all the youth will be welcome at my house... Um, after work at some point uh, for a fun time of we'll play some sports uh, some activities some food some fellowship uh, more specifically some time around a fire with some instruments singing and uh, some testimonies and yes so far in my Parkland County I am able to have a fire so as long as that doesn't change maybe it'll get better if we get more rain. But uh, so we can enjoy a little time of fellowship that way. Does that all sound good? Amen. All right. Well, tonight we, we do want to have a, a sword drill. So let's all stand to our feet. I'm not going to do the sword drill. I'm going to invite Brother Ethan up here to do the sword drill. Uh, maybe we'll just sing one more song while he comes. Amen. I want to be a living Bible. I want to walk it every day. I want to be a living Bible, yes,
2: I want to walk it every day, because I know that when I live this Bible, oh, I'm walking in the straight and narrow way, come on up, oh, i want to walk it every day because i know that when i live this bible oh i'm walking in the straight and narrow way one more time oh i want to be a living bible I'm walking in the straight and narrow way.
1: Amen. You can have your seats again.
3: Hello, Uh, I'll just get you all to stand. And uh, we'll just bow in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, dear Lord, we we come before you, dear Lord, and we just say thank you, Lord, to be in your house once again, dear Lord. And we just ask, Lord, that you would make yourself real here, Lord God, that you would come down, Lord, and just, Lord, just be in the service in every aspect of it, Heavenly Father, Lord, and just take control of each one that would be here, Lord, and just ask that you would speak to each heart here, Lord, we just... We want to commit ourselves to you now and ask this all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Alright, you can all have your seats. So if I, if I take a title tonight of this sword drill it would just be the word knowing. Um, I just kind of had three thoughts when I thought of the word knowing. Uh, one would be knowing God. Uh, number two would be knowing when God is speaking to you. And number three would be what God knows about you. So um, I guess the first one that can get to First Samuel three verses one to ten can read it. Uh, hold on here. First Samuel verses three, one. For, uh, sorry, First Samuel three one. uh to 10 yeah So just to give context, i guess samuel eli was this is after Hannah had prayed for a child and and she'd got Samuel and she dedicated him to the lord and and Samuel was in the temple and and Eli was the priest before god and he was he wasn't doing right his sons weren't doing right in israel and and Samuel was here and he was doing right before the lord in the temple and and Eli was, he wasn't a prophet, Eli was a priest, and Samuel was a prophet, and so when it says in verse 1, um, and Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days, there was no open vision. When it says there was no open vision, Brother Brown would say that there was no word, or the word of the Lord, or, or it, there was no prophet in that, in that time, but Samuel, he was the prophet, as we know, he would go on, and he would be the prophet in Israel, but... Um, And so Samuel was a prophet, and he was raised, and there was, the word of the Lord was coming to Samuel. And then yet in verse 7, it would say, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord revealed unto him. But then the Lord comes, and he he speaks to Samuel, Samuel, and Eli knew that when he he didn't, he didn't call Samuel at all, but he knew that the Lord was speaking to him, and so he said Samuel, go and, and, and lie down, and when he says, and when he asked the Lord, when the Lord would come to him again, he said, Samuel would say, speak, for thy servant heareth. And Eli knew enough to say, oh, the Lord is speaking to this child, and so speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. So, we're, we take that, and we say, how do you know God, and how do you know when God is speaking to you? Um, We come and we, you know, we we know God, but do we really know who he is? Do we really know who, do we have really an individual walk with God every day? You know, we can come to church, we can come to young peoples, we can do all these things, but do we really have an individual walk with the Lord? And I was listening to a testimony this week. Um, It was by Brother Mike Canada, it was his name. And he would say, you know, how can God speak to you? if you don't have your mind upon God. And um, if you don't keep your mind upon God, if your mind is not on God, God can't speak to you. It's that simple. So you have to keep your mind on God. And, you know, if you're you're just, you know, you you think all these different things, you know, we get caught up in so many different things of the world and our minds are at work or just different things that don't, they don't edify. But you just got to keep your mind on God. And in His Word, and then God will be able to speak to you. So, when we talk again here. There's a, there's a, um, there's another verse uh, Scripture here, and it would be um, Psalms verse. Sorry, one sec here. Psalms chapter. Thirty-seven verses three to five. You know, I've, I've maybe I've used that scripture before in sword drill or something, but you know it. it it really is, you know, we come to that individual walk with the Lord, and really that, that's all it is, is, you know, the, the Lord, if we just every day, you know, you seek after the Lord, you just simply you pray, you read your Bible every day, the Lord is there, you know, you delight yourself, and, and the Lord will give you the desires of, his, of your heart. And it says, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So you put God first in everything you do, And uh, I'll go with Matthew 6, verse 33. Um, So just those two verses, you know, they they say, put God first, you know. So if we want to know God and we want to seek, put him first, seek him first, what do we have to be? What what does what must you do in order to know God or in order to put Him first? Well, you must be born again, you know? And so Brother Branham would say in the service, you must be born ye must be born again. So the born again experience tells us what we are. It doesn't mean that we I believe in shouting and all the manifestations and demonstrations of the spirit, but ye that's not yet it, see it's something different from that. It's a new creature, something in the heart. I wonder if we ministers, both men and women, if many times we don't just say the word, you must be born again, and take it over the head of the people like that. When we've got to come back to the spot and let them know what a birth means. See, it's got to come back to something more than words. It's got to come back a fundamental fact and this great experience of being born again, what it produces for us. See, well, what is that life, what is that born again experience? produce. It produces a life lived, a daily life lived. Every day, you know, you're reading, you're praying. That's what a born-again experience produces. And so, Brother Branham would also say, so I I just also as well, I I took some of this, just this thought, just from services, and knoweth it not, hear his voice, ye must be born again, and enticing spirits. So, those are four messages I was listening to, but, um, so we, we, we talked about knowing god but and we talked a little bit about knowing when god is speaking to you but um, now we'll 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 go a little bit more into number the second thought i had it knowing what god is speaking to you so we'll go to jeremiah verses 29 to 11 to 14. So, so, we hear, we say that the Lord says, For I know the thoughts I think towards you. And I've taken that before, but the Lord thinks that towards us that his thoughts are thoughts of peace and not of evil. And it says that, Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and you shall seek me and find me, when you shall search for me with all your heart. In that same testimony I was listening to by Brother Mike, I, I, he talks about this, you know, when do you find God? Well, when you seek for him with all your heart. You know, you have, it doesn't matter what, you just, you seek with him all your heart, then you'll find him. And so it talks, and we, and we, we talk about a little bit about how can we know who we are, you know. Um, how do we know when God is speaking to us? Well, we must hear his voice. And how do we hear his voice? You know, we have to be reading and praying every day. We have to be in the Word. You know, we have to know God. We have to have an individual walk with him. Well, how do we hear his voice? Well, keeping our minds stayed on him, we said that. So how do we love him? You know, if we're, if we, if we're in the Word, if we're praying, if we're reading, how, how do we love him? Well, by living for him, by doing those things, by having that individual walk by God. Amen. So, and then Brother Branham would say now also in uh, hear his voice. But it's a rare thing to hear the voice of the Lord and to find a person that can say, The Lord spoke to me. You notice that amongst the people anymore, that they hardly hear a time when they say, The Lord speak, spoke to me. And then goes down a little bit in the quote We should wait on the Lord. You see, we do all the talking, we don't give him a chance to talk back to us. That if we would pray, and we pray until our soul comes into the presence of God, and then just relax and listen to his voice. You know, many times when we go to pray, we, like he says, we do all the talking, but sometimes you just have to stand still or just just relax in the presence of the Lord and just say, Lord, you just speak to me. And that, you're doing that every day by listening to the message, you're, you're reading the word, you're praying. And he says, but there's so many voices today, he continues in the quote, that the voice of the Lord that it, t- that it takes the voice of the Lord away from us. There is the voice of pleasure. So many people are listening to that, where they can come and go and have a good time. And many of them are professing to be Christians. Some kind of an old rock and roll coming up, and they just can't listen to what Godly... Well, they say, well, I'm a Christian. I ought to read the verse in the Bible today. Yeah, uh, Jesus wept. That's it. Go ahead. But then to really get down and pray, they got too many other things to do. There's many other voices in the world. So many things to attract our attention from God. Matthew uh, 5, verse 6. You know, we, we get our minds, just as the quote would say, that there's so many other things to listen to. There's so many other things that are enticing that, that we, our minds get put on, but if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you, you, you're reading, you, you, you want God, and you, you fill yourself with God, you keep your mind stayed on Him, that's when, you know, they will be filled. So, now we'll get into this a little bit of, what does God think about you? You know, God knows your, your thoughts, he knows your ambitions, he knows your hopes, he knows your dreams, he knows your plans, your goals, your desires, uh, he created you. Um, he knows that. You know, we sing that song, uh, I have a maker, you know, uh, he knows my name, he knows my every thought. You know, and, and in, when we pray, sometimes I, f- I find myself praying, we pray, Lord, you know my heart, you know my thoughts. Well, yeah, he knows, he, he, he created you, he knows your heart, we don't need to tell him that. He knows you, and he, he already knows that everything, everything you would want to do in life, so you just say, Lord, just come, and just you can have peace in knowing that, Lord, you know. You don't have to say, Lord, I, I, I know, or, or you know, Lord. No, he knows. You know, I, Lord, I, I want your thoughts to be my thoughts, my life to be used of you. To, wherever you want me to be, Lord, I, I want you to be used of you. And so, just a little bit to, to say that, to show that the Lord would know our thoughts. There's some verses, there's some scriptures here. Psalms 103, verse 14. Uh, 103, verse 14. So God knows us. He created us. Matthew 9, verse 4. So is an example of, you know, Jesus, there's many examples in, of this in the New Testament where Jesus comes and he perceives their thoughts because he knew their thoughts. And God knows our thoughts. He knows everything about us. Psalms ninety four, verse eleven. And then one more here. Psalm one thirty nine, verse twenty three. You know, it was just one more thought here. And I was just thinking on Wednesday, Brother Ray was singing that song, you know, my Lord and I, we got so close. He filled me up with the Holy Ghost. And it's just that simple, you know. We, every day we draw closer to him, you know, reading, praying, fellowshipping with God, keeping our mind on him. We just, every day, draw closer to him and he'll draw closer to us. And then there's one more here. It's the last quote I read. And that's the way it is by, by preaching the word. If a man will just stand by what he believes, now, not, you remember, God knows your heart. And if you'll stand by what you really believe to be the truth, then you can have faith in what you're talking about. So, in, I guess, to summarize, if you know God, you know when God is speaking to you. And when God is speaking to you, you can have confidence that He knows your thoughts. So, that's it.
1: Amen. I'll add one more to it. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, to the joints and marrows, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Amen. He knows. But the Bible says, you know, he knows what we have need of before we pray it, but he still desires for us to come into his presence, to seek his face. As we prayed in the back office, if we draw nigh unto him, he will in turn draw nigh unto us. I love that scripture he brought out in Psalms chapter 103. The beginning of that chapter starts out, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. These are benefits of the Lord. That He knows us. He recognizes when we're in need, when we're in trouble, but He knows that He's not, I'll say it this way, He's He's not a micromanager. He's not interested in just getting right in there and you're saying, what are you doing here? No, he says, when you call for me, I'm a present help in a time of trouble, but I'm waiting for you to open yourself up to me. To say, Lord, welcome. I need your help. I need you to come in. Because he'll let us, if we really want, he'll let us fall flat on our faces trying to do it ourselves. But don't forget all his benefits. Amen. I love these sword drills that Brother Ethan does and, and, and the different ones because I, I, it's like stirring up your pure minds by way of remembrance you know when you stir something up you're not adding to it you're stirring up what's already in there how many ever made a good soup and the more stuff you just add in there it just looks nasty until you take the spoon and you start to stir it right if you just start dumping stuff in, it's, it's just a layer of this and a layer of that and a layer of that, and the grease is all on top, and it's kind of like, man, that doesn't look all that appetizing. But then you just take the spoon, and you just start stirring it up. You start going, oh, that's all that stuff blended together. Now it starts to make sense. That's the way it is in our minds. All those things are in there. We just go, It's just a jumbled mess. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. But sometimes you just get the Lord in there to stir it up a little bit. And you go, oh, I remember how, why that was so precious and why that verse meant so much to me and why that was so good. And my goodness, oh, don't you love the Lord? Yeah. Amen. Last Sister Julia to come. I think she was playing the piano. Amen. Tonight, we, we, I'm not going to bring the word to you tonight. I'm going to save that for Sunday. There's a lot burning on my heart, but uh, I had I, planned and, and felt on my heart to have Brother Mark Parazak speak tonight. And I know all his siblings especially are looking forward to that. Amen, they said. But I just thought I'd, I'd just say about Brother Mark, you know, I really have appreciated him and I'll just share just how the Lord has moved on his heart in many different ways. And even very recently, and one, he's one in whom I've been impressed in, with his sincerity in the things of the Lord and really had it on my heart and talked with brother ed and it would be all right to have him share what would be on his heart with you i trust to be a blessing to you that you just pull on the word you know it's not doesn't matter who stands the vessel here but rather it's i'll say this 50 50 you know he's got something in his life that he can share but it takes us to pull on it and you'll get what you expect Amen. i was preaching in 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 ethiopia and, and i i on the Thursday night, I started sharing things that I've never really shared before, and I kind of took a little bit of inspiration from the Chosen series, I guess. And I was talking about feeding the, the 4,000 and how they gathered around and how they weren't sure, you know, how they were. Jesus had been out there teaching all day. And he'd just been talking and talking, and they begin to murmur and talk about how, you know, people are getting hungry. But there's nobody around in the cities to go buy food from. Even if we went to go buy food, they're all sitting right here. There's nobody to go. There's 4,000 people here. The the, the cities are empty. Everyone came out to hear you, Lord. So where are we going to get this food? And Jesus, well, all right, well, finally a little boy comes up with a little basket, right? Five loaves and two fishes. And he he just brings these up. And Jesus says, yeah, that's enough. Go get some baskets. Maybe the disciples looked at him and thought... It's five loaves and two fish, and they fit in that basket. Why do we need to go get a basket? But God, when the Lord speaks something, he means what he says. And he'll provide a way to make sure it comes to pass. So we told them, go get yourself some baskets. So maybe... Knowing the way boys are, they were a little bit competitive, you know, and Thaddeus maybe got the first one, the closest one he could find, and it was just a little bit bigger than the basket with five loaves and two fishes. The next disciple went down, got a little bigger basket, and by the time it came down, maybe Andrew was one of the last ones, and he went and got one that required him to really pick it up and bring it, but Peter, he was watching all this go on. He was the real competitive one, so he seen one way in the back that you had to put straps on your back, and it was the biggest basket of them all. And he thought, if you all think you're going to find a big basket, I'm going to get the biggest basket. And I want to say it this way. You're going to get what you expect. The size of the basket that you brought matters because God's going to put more in the bigger basket. So as they got there and they just got these little two loaves or five loaves and two fishes and Jesus just blessed them and then maybe they gathered around as I seen in the children circle and I begin to realize it's like Christ standing in the midst of his church receiving all the glory. He's standing in the middle of all his disciples around. They had their baskets ready to receive. And Christ wants to come down in the midst of you, of us, to fill us with what we desire. And as as they just, he just blessed the bread, and he just put it back, and he closed the lid, and he said, now fill your baskets. Maybe they looked at each other first and thought, okay. I mean, I've seen him do some things, so let's try it out. So they got out there and they started breaking up the bread and breaking the fish and putting in their baskets. Then they reached back in and the little basket was all empty. Okay, so they put the lids back on their basket. Jesus said, go feed them. Well, how am I? I don't got nothing in me. I'm just an empty vessel. I, I just put two loaves. I just put two little broken pieces of a loaf in my basket. I didn't even get any fish. All I got was a couple little crumbled pieces in my basket. Yeah, go share what you got. Watch God multiply. So Thaddeus picked up his little basket, and it's a little heavier than it was before. It opened up the lid, and about this time, Peter starts regretting getting the big basket (laughs) because he gets those shoulder straps on him. It's heavy. It's a full deadlift, Brother Philip. It's everything he's got to lift that thing up. Finally gets that basket up on his shoulders because it's full now. The basket you bring is what you're going to get. But the says you get what you expect. You're going to get what you've come to receive, no matter who the vessel is that stands behind the pulpit. It's Christ that desires to come down and fill us all in all. Amen. I of this quote that Brother Brent shared, and he said, God gives us gifts. He never takes gifts. Your gift remains. But if you be honest with what you got, God will take other talents and just keep pouring them on. If you just keep climbing on, he's always done it. Amen. If we just be sincere in what God's given us, he'll keep putting more and more and more on. He'll say, I don't know how I'm ever going to be capable to take on what God's got for me. Just keep being sincere. Let the Lord fill it all in all. Amen. Romans 12 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You're the proof. Amen. Don't you love him? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Welcome, Brother Mark, up to the pulpit. Why don't we just sing a simple song? This is my desire to honor you. This is my desire
2: to honor So
4: Uh, 21. We'll start in verse 7. And therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this evening, Lord. We just thank you for another opportunity to be in your house, Lord. We pray that you would just come now, Lord, and just take this little thought, Lord. I just surrender it all to you now, Lord. I just surrender Lord, we surrender our heart, Lord, we surrender all, Lord, as we just saying, Lord, we're just here to live for you alone, Father, now, we just commit this all to you, we ask that you just be in it, Lord, you would take control, Lord, we just surrender the service now in your hands, in Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Um, all right, uh, my topic for tonight is um, turn your eyes, and Ethan basically did it all. So I'll just give a summary of what he uh, he said already, so it should be short. Uh, uh, The other thing, I'll just get out of the way, that's the dog, so don't um, get distracted by that, Uh, right? Uh, And so when I was looking into Turn Your Eyes, it was in the vehicle and I was driving and I had been listening to a song and the thought just hit me about all our troubles, and I was just thinking about the cycles of our life, the different issues that we have, we all these different things, and we're always looking for answers. We're always coming back to church and saying, Lord, you know, like this, this went wrong, and it always feels like you're coming back to the same point you were last week, and then you were there the week before that and the month before that, and maybe the year before that, and you fail to see the progression you're making. It's hard to tell because it just feels like your life's a cycle and so you keep coming back to church and you keep going Lord I I did this again I need you to forgive me like help me move on and he always he always answers if you come and you turn and you always ask him for help and he's always there he'll always give you an answer he always has the answer that usually you already know what the answer is but he comes and reaffirms what you must do every time and I was just listening to that song and it was, turn your eyes upon Jesus as a drive. And all of a sudden I thought, it just crossed my mind that if that's all we would do is if we would just stop and change our focus and turn to Jesus, he would take care of the rest. All the things of this world would become strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And so uh, just in the back there as Ethan was doing his thing, all of a sudden I was curious to see what the dictionary had to say. And I just looked, Uh, the definition of look to, and in the Collins Dictionary, it would say, if you look to someone or something for a particular, if you, yeah, if you look to someone or something for a particular thing that you want, you expect or hope that they will provide it. And I thought, well, that's right. That's the reason we look to Jesus is because when we look to him, we're looking because we got a need, we need an answer. And so we're looking to him for that answer. And then I looked up the definition of turn. And it was, in, its synonyms are change of course, swing around, wheel around, or veer. And I was thinking, I've seen it depicted one time very well and it was in a video, and it was this guy was walking down a path and he was following the prophet's voice as he was walking and the voice of something else caught his attention and he stopped and he turned a different direction And the message kept going. The message didn't stop. God didn't wait for him. He just kept moving. And all of a sudden, at some point, on this side journey that he went on, all of a sudden, he heard the prophet's voice. And it caught his attention, and he looked, and he realized that God had kept on moving. And instead of, and it caused him to run, and he went running after the voice again because he realized that God kept progressing, kept going, and that Satan had just taken his attention to the side. And God wanted to take him over there, but he was over here doing something else. He was caught up in this. He was caught up in that. And that's what the devil's trying to do. He's trying to take us. He's trying to take our attention and divert it. Because if he can take your attention, then he's got you. Because when you're not paying attention to what's going on, now your focus has changed. Your desires change. You've changed your whole position of where you were going. And now there's many things in this world that take our attention, um, and anything from social media to whatever, you know what, what it is that the devil puts in front of you, as Brother Branham would call it, that big punch that he's got coming for you. Whatever that is in your life that the devil takes and turns your vision from tonight, let's get back and let's look to Jesus. And Brother Branham would make a comment. Actually, we'll skip that for now. Actually, no, we'll go there right now. And Brother Brandon would talk about how um, the eye is the gate to the soul. And he would say in Gyrus and Divine Healing, he would say that the eye is the gate to the soul. I'll just find the quote here. He say the eye is the gate to the soul. Five senses and the eye is almost governs the others. You look at it. The Catholic Church known that a long time ago when they put up statues and so forth in there. The psychology of seeing the sight and the person will look and they say, I wonder, and you feel that. And then he goes on to ask them to put their heads down many times. uh, When he would pray for someone and he said, and then he goes on to tell a story about how he's praying for a baby and he couldn't pray for this wasn't getting healed and he realized that there was a group of about 28 people in the back that refused to put their head down and so eventually one of the deacons goes over to I guess would be the guy that was kind of their leader and he goes up to him and just says hey can you put your head down please and be respectful and he's like no this is a public place I don't uh, owe you anything so to speak and then when brother Branham asked him one more time and they refused then when he prayed for this baby the spirit of epilepsy went out of the baby and went into all 28 people, and he said uh, the service was disrupted for minutes. People were screaming and running because of this disruption. So it's important as to what your focus is, because if your focus isn't on Christ, then as Brother Branham just said, your eye is the gate to your soul, so you're feeding your soul on something else, and if your soul is fixed on something, then your desires aren't on Christ. And if your desires aren't on Christ, then you have no desire to look to Christ, and therefore you're stuck in this position that you need someone to come and change your perspective, and that's why it's so important that you stay and you keep listening to the prophet's voice, you keep coming to church, you keep focusing on those things, because you'll find that as your life goes through cycles, that every time you get to church, you'll find that that cycle gets broken. You come to church again, that cycle gets broken. You listen to a tape, that cycle gets broken. And eventually you won't be in that cycle anymore. One day you'll be free because you've turned your eyes and you've looked upon Jesus and He's set you free. He's taken you from a place of disruption, of distraction, to where nothing seemed right. You're in this state of burden. You can't figure out what's going on. You can't figure out what's wrong. You know you know the answer. You know that you just have to look and live, as the scripture said to the brass serpent that Moses just said, all you have to do is that you look and live. If you just looked to that brass serpent, you would be healed of your bite. And that's the same thing. All you had to do was look to Jesus, and you'd be free. And the devil just keeps trying to take you back. And that cycle will always try to keep you back. And then what he hits you with after that is you get in this cycle of going up and down, up and down, and then he's got you with discouragement. He hits you with depression. He hits you with suicide. He'll hit you with whatever other will come down your way. If you won't do that, he'll hit you with lust. He'll hit you with this. He'll hit you with that because you're no longer happy. You're no longer satisfied. There's that desire for God, that deep call to the deep is now moved. It's not being fulfilled by Christ anymore, and now you're fulfilling it with something else. But as Brother Brandon would say, in thirst he talks about how that you need to feed that thirst with Christ. If you don't feed it with Christ, you'll never truly get true satisfaction. He talks about how she would go to the well and day after day she would go to this well and get the same water, get the same thing, but come back. But he said once she took that living water, she never had to go back. She physically had to go back and refresh herself, but spiritually she was secure. And in the natural, it's the same way. You're going to There'll come a point where God comes and he'll touch your life and he'll change you forever, but if you don't keep drawing and keep going back to him, you'll begin to get dry. You'll begin to get cold. That living water is never gone, but what you need to keep filling it with, as Brother Brown would say, is you need that. um, Or In the scripture, sorry, it's written that Paul would say, I die daily as I learn to live. And then Brother Brown would say, In the second miracle, he talks about how Solomon, how um, he prayed that prayer and he would say, Oh Lord, when people look to this house, if they call on your name, that you would answer their prayer. And in this case, it it sounds like he's praying to a physical building. It sounds like they're looking to this building to save them. But Brother Branham would go on and talk about how Jonah, in the belly's whale, would look to the... He would turn himself and face himself towards... Uh, the thing. And Jonah believed that Solomon's prayer was heard, and he said, I'm not going to look to these symptoms. I'm going to look to the temple of God. And if Jonah, in that kind of condition, could look to a natural temple where a natural human prayed, how much more are you sitting there here? People being c- healed right around you every night. You look away from the symptoms here, not to the temple of earth but to the gates of glory where the son of god with his bloody coat standing before the father now making intercession on anything that you confess. And so he's saying here how it's not that it wasn't the temple but it was that god dwelt in the temple. That was because when Solomon prayed, the scripture talks about how the holy spirit fell on that temple and, and inhabited it. So it wasn't that it wasn't the physical stone structure, but it was the God that resided in the temple that he's praying to. And he goes on to talk about how Jesus would take the mud and he would spit and he would put it on that blind guy's eyes. And it wasn't the mud that healed him, but it was that he had something to look to that gave him faith that he could put his faith in. And it's not that we look to a physical cross and we say, oh, that cross saved us, but it's a resemblance that we can look at it and it... um, you can put faith in it, not physically in it, but you can look at it, and it reminds you of what happened. It's not that that won't save you. You could look at that for the rest of your life and never be healed, but it's that when you look at it, it's reminding your faith of who died on that cross, of who took your place, of who can heal you, of why Isaiah would write, by his stripes we are healed, and why Isaiah would say... um, He was bruised for my iniquities, and it's not the physical object. It wasn't the physical bruising, but it was that you could look at that bruise, and you could say, those were mine. That's my sin written on that. It's not that that physically is your sin, but that was the punishment that his physical body took so that your spiritual body could be free, so that you could be free from the law of sin and death. And then Brother Brandon would go on to say that many people look to Jesus and they look to him and they see different things. He talks about how some see the third person of the Trinity, some see a baby in a manger, some see Santa Claus, some see just an old historical act that God did in days of old. Some think of it as just a myth. Some think God didn't actually do anything. Some just think he was a good man. Some don't actually see. They miss the purpose of it all. And he would just say, if you look to him to argue, then you're wrong. He didn't argue. It wasn't meet for him to argue. Remember, you see him as you look at him through his word and recognize him now. You cannot see him until your eyes is open to the fact. Two men can look at the same scripture and disagree. One of them has got to be right and the other one wrong. Something there is Things happening around us. We cannot understand. Others say they see things. Others say there sees nothing about it. And then he goes on to talk about Dothan and how Elijah, Elijah, sorry, when he was in Dothan and he was surrounded by the Syrian army and Gaeza his servant, couldn't understand why. Why is there no fear? Why isn't he stressed? Why isn't he worried about all these things? But he could look and he could see the promise that, God was with him and he could see these angels and His servant couldn't see it, and his servant was all scared and wondering what we're going to do. And he's looking to the natural circumstances. But Elijah had turned his eyes on something else, and he prayed. He turned to the Lord and he said, Father, open my servant's eyes. And God came and he opened his servant's eyes. And when God opened the word to him, then he could look and he could see the chariots all around him that nobody else could see in the city. And then they could walk out free and they could lead them into the palace of Samaria and make a fool of the enemy simply because they just turned their eyes they got off their focus and they just looked they got off the distractions of the world and they just turned their focus back on christ and he came and he made the difference and then brother brandon would also talk about how the brass serpent and he would say the similar thing to the temple how it wasn't the brass it's not uh, here. I'll just find it. He says it a lot better than I could say it. And now the only thing he told me, if I prayed for the sick and get them to believe, be sincere when I pray and no disease would stand before my prayer. Now that's true. Now that doesn't mean that my prayer has anything to do with it. It's the people's faith. He always had an object somewhere for people to look at or something or some. Look at the brass serpent. Why would he have a brass serpent there as something? And the water on the pool of Becero. Why was it the water? Why, there's no virtue in it. It's something for the people to look, it's something for the people to do to step in. Jesus went and spit on some mud and made a little cake and put it in the man's eyes. He didn't have to do that. Do you believe that? He, another man's ears, he touched and spit, or touched, (laughs) spit and touched his tongue and had, he didn't have to do that. It was a symbol. It was, right? Naaman was a leper. He's supposed to dip seven times in Jordan. Why didn't he have to do that? Why? He didn't have to do that. It was just a symbol that the prophet gave him something to do. And God sends us forth to do certain things. And then he sees that God has proved what he said he was to that person. And then God testifies the thing that person testified of, makes it true. Then we believe it and get well. See what I mean? Well, I was supposed to pray for the sick. And so he's talking about how that God gives us these things. And all these different um, things in life. Like he said, he's referring to that brass serpent again. How we can look at it as a remembrance of what happened. We use it, it's not that it physically saves us, because as he just said, there's no virtue in it, but he said it raises the faith of the people because they have something physically to look to because we live in this physical realm where we need something to turn to. And when Christ died for us and then he came and he would come back and he would just say of my people, which would call on my name, if they would lift up, they would humble themselves and turn their eyes and look to me, I'm paraphrasing now, he said, I'll heal their land. And so when you're in this cycle now, we come back to the cycle, and you're in this issue, whatever it may be, and you start wondering, what can I do? What can I do to get out of this cycle? If you just look to him and you humble yourself and say, Lord, I'm sorry for the things I made it. When it's all about you, I made this, I did this mistake, I did this mistake, but yet there's still a blood that will come and cleanse you and wash you from all your sins. And when he comes... You just look to him, and you just surrender. You just give him everything. As Brother Paul preached when he was here, he just said, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are his. Your life is hid in Christ and God. you got to just put those things aside. As much as there's a physical element of you need to push these things away, but the most important thing is that when you look at him, all those things won't matter anymore. And even if they keep sitting there, as Brother Branham said, your old nature will sit behind you. It'll sit there and keep nagging at you. But the more you look to Christ, the more you look to him, the more you surrender to him, the more all those things will become dim and you won't even see them anymore. And one day we'll just take one more step and then we'll be in our theophany. One day all these things will be gone and those heavy burdens that will just lay and it'll all be over. And then what you do is, and there's that element of praise too. We heard Brother... um, I believe it was Brother Gransky talked about praise a little bit. And he was saying how that praise can heal things. He was talking about how David would come into into Saul's um, palace and he would play music. And it was so inspired that the devils would flee. And how that, when you start to worship and when you start to give God praise for what he's done for you, then he can act on your words, he can act on your praise, and he can heal you. And so once you've turned your eyes on him, just start praising him and giving him thanks for what he's done for you. And right away, you might not see anything happen. It might all just seem like I'm in the same cycle again. I'm doing the same thing over again. But you just, every time, you just say, no, uh, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And you just keep looking up. You just keep saying, I thank you. And so I lift up my hands and praise you again because all that I have is a hallelujah and you just keep looking to him, and eventually he'll come and change your life, and he'll take all these things away, and they won't have a hold on your life anymore, because he came, because you look to Christ. If you keep looking at yourself, and you keep saying, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna put this aside, I'm gonna do this, I got this, I can do this, all I need to do is just pray a little more, all I need to do is just sing a little more, all I need to do is this, this, and those are all very important things, but if you just keep but if you keep turning your eyes back to what you shouldn't be looking at, you'll never get anywhere. You'll keep going in this cycle. But you can break that cycle by looking to him and he can save you. He can change your life forever and you'll never be the same. You'll never deal with those things in the same way. They'll still be there. They'll still come at you. And it may feel like he'll put you back in a cycle. The devil will come in and he'll throw this thing back at you and you feel like you fell. And you're like, oh Lord, I'm back here again. I'm doing the same thing all over again. But you've got to remember that when you ask for forgiveness, it says who the son is set free is free indeed. And when you're free, there's no, you don't go back to that anymore because it's over. You're free. There's nothing to go back to. It's over. And once you Recognize that every time He trips you, every time you get weak and you fall because maybe you're not doing quite what you've done, your focus has been shifted a little bit, you can remind Him and just say, but who the Son is set free is free indeed. I'm free, I don't owe anything to you, you don't owe me, there's nothing in my life that you owe. He can destroy your life, He can try to do whatever He wants, but you could just hang on to that promise that who the Son is set free is free indeed. There's no more chains holding you, He's lying to you. He's got you walking in a circle by your mind, not by a physical chain because he has no power over you. Because you are free, you just chose to let him bind you. Brother Branham would talk about how you're free, but the devil would come back, and he said, you let him there, you let him come back. That's the only way you can come back, is if you go back on his ground, because he can't touch you. You're under the blood, you're covered. There's no power, there's no way that he can actually physically touch your life, but every time, unless God permits it, and uh, but every time you... Go back on his territory every time you step back. That's when he's got a right now. He's got a right to take you. But all you have to do is just remember that who the son is set free is free indeed. That you're free. That there's no more chains holding you. That it's over. And if you can just believe it, it's over. But the day you stop doubting, the day you start shifting your focus, you're going to find yourself falling again and you'll be wondering why why am i here lord why why is this why is that why why what's wrong here what what am i doing what are? and then depression starts coming and then anxiety starts coming and then lord forbid but suicide starts coming and all these different things start coming down your path and you start wondering how did i end up in this state how how, how did someone who loved the lord and all of a sudden they're on the verge of suicide and you start wondering why why did they get here why what happened what went wrong and then you start looking, and you start realizing that all it was was just one little step. You took one little focus off Christ, and you started going the wrong, down the wrong path, and the next thing you know, you get discouraged. And then the devil puts depression on you, and then that depression hits you, and you just get so down that you don't know what to do with your life anymore. And then because of this depression, you're like, oh, no, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to do this now because I got a little high off that. And then that takes you even farther into sin, and it keeps pulling you and pulling you. And then he hits you with anxiety, and then you're stuck in your house. And next thing you know, you're bound. You can't go anywhere. Next thing you know, he's just got you so scared that he can put suicide on you and get you to a place where he can physically destroy the body. But we know he can destroy the body, he can't destroy the soul. And so he'll have you in this place, but all it takes is just listen to that voice. And when that voice catches your ear, just turn your focus back. It's simple as that. And just turn your eyes to Jesus and look at him. And the things of this world become strangely dim. Start. You get your focus back on Him. You start reading the the Word. You start reading your Bible. You start praying. And it might be simple. It might be just simple as five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night. But if you were doing nothing, that's a start. And then the next now, and then next thing you know. It won't be, it'll be 10 minutes, but it won't be 10 minutes because you have to do 10 minutes. will be 10 minutes because you want to do 10 minutes. Because you can do something because you want, because you have to, but that won't change your life. That's called reformation. That's not transformation. And I'll, I'll just, I remember one time I was at a brother's house. And I remember we were doing something and we had watched something. And I, I was felt convicted after. I was like, no, I'm a Christian. I don't do that. I don't watch what we had watched. And and I called him up on the phone afterwards and I talked to him and I just said, brother, I'm, I'm still your friend. I still appreciate you. I still love you. I'm still willing to hang out with you. But when we're together, I just, I can't watch movies. I can't do that. That doesn't, that doesn't sit right with me, that doesn't thing. And the brother said, okay. And he says, I'll get rid of it. If that bothers you, I'll get rid of it. And I said, no, don't get rid of it for me. I said, if it doesn't bother you, then Don't get rid of it because God needs to put it on your heart to get rid of it. Because if you get rid of it because of me, if you get rid of it for my sake, if you get rid of it because someone says you should get rid of it, there'll come a time in your life where you'll go back to it. There'll come a time in your life where you weren't delivered of it. You just gave it up because so-and-so said so. You didn't give it up because you had a revelation. And once you catch that revelation that that doesn't matter anymore, all of a sudden, now it doesn't matter what anyone says. It doesn't matter if someone says, oh, let's come watch something or or um, someone says, get rid of it, it's already gone because now you caught a revelation from above that it doesn't, it doesn't have a hold in you. It's not something you should be doing. And once you realize that, then when someone says, hey, let's do this, let's do that, it doesn't matter anymore. When Satan comes and puts it in front of you again, you're like, I don't care. I'm not interested because something greater than me came and told me that I don't need it. He came and changed my life. And when he comes and changes your life, because you've turned your focus back to him, because you've given your heart to him, now there's no worry about this thing. And so it's the same thing when it comes to reading your Bible, is if I tell you to read for five minutes, and you say, oh, well, Mark said you should pray for five minutes, that's what he did, and he read his Bible for five minutes for whatever, and he turned out half okay, you know? (laughs) So we'll we'll try the same, and hopefully you'll do a little better than I did. Um, But, uh, and then... Eventually, that'll fade away because it's not the desire. But if now, if a minister is up and he's preaching and he's saying something, and all of a sudden that thought drops in your heart and like, "Hey, I need to feed on this more. I need to feed on the Word more." Now that's God telling you to do it. That's not me telling you to do it. That's not another minister telling you to do it. There's many times I sat in church in a cycle and I was like, "Lord, I need out of this." And the simplest thing would be dropped in my heart, and that was just, "You need to give yourself more. You just need to consecrate more. You just need to." Just read more. Just put those things aside. Those social media things don't matter. They're not important. They're of no value to you. You don't even remember what it was 20 minutes later anyways. Why why are you focused on that? Don't pay attention to it. It's of no importance to you. And, and it's just a simple thing, but yet... When you come home, a lot of times, the devil, the first thing he's doing is on your way home, is he's already taking you, and he's already trying to change your focus. He's already putting that desire back in you. He's trying to tell you that you love it, but he's lying to you. But the problem is, is you believe him, and when you believe him, then he's got you. But if all you have to do is you just say, no, that's not who I am. That's not what I was born to be. I wasn't born to look at this. I wasn't born to worship that. I wasn't born to do these things. Christ came and changed my life, and he's the one who said, stop doing this, he's the one who said I don't need to do that anymore and he's the one who said I need to give this up and he's the one who said this and you just focus on Christ and you begin to feed on the word and you begin to listen to the message and you begin to pray and you begin to have your own relationship with him not a relationship that somebody says you need to have but a relationship that you have because you personally talk to him and you wait for him to talk to you then all of a sudden these things don't matter anymore and this devil that's pushing these things back on you he doesn't matter anymore because he's under your feet and when he's under Your feet, you can dance. I won't dance for you, but (laughs) because you're free. And so then, but again, like Brother Branham said, he's on your back and he's going to come back to you again because he knows you. He's like an algorithm. He's pro, he knows exactly where your weakness is, he knows exactly where your punch is, he knows exactly what took you down the last 8,000 times, he knows what took you down every single time. And he knows what he did. He knew the steps he took. He knew all the different methods that he came to get, to, to get you to go back to point A, so to speak. He knows all the different ways. And so he's going to start coming at you. And he's going to start coming at you. And he wants you to believe that you didn't get free. He wants you to believe that the cycle never got broken. He wants you to believe that there's no freedom in your life. He wants you to believe that you don't have victory. Because he's already, when you were at that altar, he was probably already sitting in your ear saying, you're going to go back again. You've done this before. You've been here before. We've we've gone through the motions. Oh, yeah, God's touched you many times. Oh, yeah, remember that time, that time, that time God touched you, and look where you went back. God touched you that time, that time, that time touched you. But what he's lying to you because all he needs you to do is just get your focus off of Christ. And if you get your focus off, then he's got you. Then he's got you. Then he can start playing with you and start taking you down again. And it's not that you actually went back into the cycle, but he got your focus off Christ so he could get you off off the word. And so, because remember, you're still free because by, because um, who the sun is set free is free indeed. So you're still free, but he wants to convince you. If he can convince you that you're bound, then you can be like Johnny Crow and you can have a stake in the ground with no tether, no chain, nothing, and you'll walk the same thing because it's comfortable because you've just adapted to this walk, you've adapted to this thing, and next thing you know, you're there for the next five years, three years four years. But what you don't always realize, too, though, is that every time God comes and he breaks a cycle in your life, even if the devil gets you every time, don't let him take you down because you still are moving with God. Because every time God does a work in your life, he is changing you. And the devil might just keep putting the stake beside you every time you take a step forward and making you walk around that stake. But don't forget, don't give up because God We'll never give up on you. He'll keep taking you. He'll keep bringing you around. If God gave up on me the first time I made a mistake, I think I'd be lost about 5,000 times already. And so you got to just keep going, and every time you fall, you get back up. I remember a couple years back, Oh, I should just say over the last few years, the amount of times I've fallen and every time I just stood up and just got back up on my feet and said, Lord, I don't want to be this way. I don't want to deal with that anymore. I don't want to deal with that anymore. I want to be changed. I want to be free. I don't want to keep walking down these things and God would just come at different moments in my life and just touch me and touch me here and touch me there and give you an encouragement and touch your life and all these different things. And I had been battling anxiety as it was coming into the this school year here, and I just remember I was at Saskatchewan camp there, and Brother Nathan Bryant was preaching, and after the service, I went up, and I just said, uh, I'm tired of this anxiety that keeps coming at me. Like, there's the normal, now don't confuse it with the normal thing of you're writing an exam and you're nervous. Like, that's normal. That's not, um, that's not something out of the ordinary. There is a thing that your, your body does experience being nervous at times. But when you're nervous all the time and when you're starting to see that it's binding you, then there's a problem. There's something that it's out of the normal um, functions of your body. And I'd starting to see how the devil would bind me here and bind me there. And I'd just be so nervous and show up at school and just be just, yeah, it wasn't good. And so then I just Went up for prayer, and Brother Nathan said, Okay, let's pray. And we prayed. And last semester and last year I was free from anxiety. It never bothered me anymore. It set me free. And then in the second semester, the devil he came back and he says, and he started pushing it on me again. And he started pushing on me. And he because he doesn't won't give up on that one thing. And so he keeps coming back and he keeps trying to push it in. But you just gotta remember that back there, six months ago, I was freed because we prayed and we obeyed the scripture. The elders of the church came together. We laid our hands on the sick. They shall recover. It's written. And so he doesn't have a right in your life anymore. It doesn't matter what he comes. It doesn't matter if all of a sudden you sit down in your vehicle and you're like, oh man, I don't want to go there. That's just the devil lying to you. That doesn't mean you're bound all of a sudden. It's like Brother Branham would say that first look doesn't bind you. It's when you take your focus and you look again and then you focus your focus on the wrong thing, that's when you're bound. The first time, that's just the devil lying to you. That's him just trying to get you. If he can get you in that moment, then he's got you. But if you just simply look back to the cross and remember that there's someone who died for your sins, there's someone who died in your place so that you could be free, so that you could be justified, so that you could be sanctified, so that you could be filled with the Holy Ghost, that there's no need for you to keep going that way, that it's just a lie, he's a bluff, then you can just shrug your shoulders and move on. And you can just praise him because you're free, because it's over. There's nothing holding you anymore. You're not bound by that devil because Christ set you free. And when he does something, it's perfect. As we heard, as we did the play there with Ethan, and when Ethan went through that heart surgery and they were talking, Brandon and Ethan were sitting here and they were talking about how they're going through the process of the heart surgery, and he was talking about how it's perfect. Once it's done, it's over. You don't need another heart change. The devil will come and he'll try to harden your heart. But God can always soften it again. you just got to get your focus back on God. It's not that your heart is the wrong one. It's just that it got calloused. It got scarred. You let it, you put it around things that it shouldn't be around. And you just need to turn back to Christ and focus your focus. And he'll begin to soften you. And he'll begin to change you. So much so Brother Brown would just say prayer will soften a temper. If you're mad all the time, if you're angry all the time, just start praying. If someone does something and, man, you fly out. (laughs) You know. You just got to pray more. And and don't take it in the sense of works either. Because if it's just works of like, oh, well, Brother Bram says I got to pray more. So here we go again. We hit the floor. We start praying again. You know, at the end of the day, that's not what he meant. He meant that when you get there, you repent and you ask him with a true heart. And you say, Lord, I'm sorry. I don't want to be this way. I can't change me. You can change me. Because... In my own self I can't change I've tried I've done it it doesn't work but when he comes and he changes you then it's permanent and so that's what you're looking for when you pray and when he comes when the Satan comes at you and he's hit you in that spot and you feel like you're going back just get down and simply just say Lord, I'm sorry and just think of that song I'm sorry Lord for the things I made it when it's all about you it's not about me it's not about my desires it's not about my will it's about your will it's not about my thoughts, it's not about what I think, it's not about my feelings, that's a big one, the devil will come with your feelings and he'll make you feel down or feel like you're just dry and you're in a dry spell, man, I've, you know, you've been through services that you just sit there and the brother preached his heart out and you walk out and you're like, I don't know what, I don't know what he preached, I didn't get anything out of it, nothing pricked my heart, nothing, I didn't get anything out of it, but then you start reflecting in your life, you start looking around and you start, just take a moment to see where, where are you sitting, what are you doing, And not so much what are you doing in church, but what are you doing outside of church? What is your Monday to Friday life? What is your Saturday life? What is your Tuesday night? What is your Friday night? And all of a sudden, you'll start realizing that your focus isn't on Christ. And you'll start to realize that your focus is on something else. And it may be as simple as just, I don't know, maybe... I'm trying to think of something that nobody does. Fly kite. There we go. Maybe you just love flying kites. And you're just like... um, Every Friday every Friday evening, the wind's up, you're praising the Lord, and you got your kite up there, and you're flying it. You're waiting for that lightning bolt. you got your key on the bottom and your jar, maybe. I don't know what experiments you run when you fly a kite, but have all the fun you want and stay safe, I guess. Uh, but it's innocent. It's not that it's wrong. There's nothing wrong with it, but you've let it captivate you. You've let it take control of you. It's not that the physical object itself has anything wrong with it. It's not that this plant is just plastic. It's not that it's wrong. It's not that it's bad. But if you came over here and you had to spend an hour every day trying to make it look better, it might be a problem. <laughs> you know, you got to figure out where your focus is. And if you can just get that focus back, then all these things don't matter. That kite that you fly on Friday afternoon doesn't matter anymore. And all of a sudden, you'll start realizing that when you get to church, you'll be like, maybe you listened to half a tape the week. That was all you had Well, you had more time, but that's all you gave God, and you just gave him that half an hour or whatever it was, and all of a sudden you'll start realizing that when Brother Ed gets up to preach and he starts saying something, you would be like, oh, that's from this, oh, that's from that, oh, this is from that. And that's not even the best part of it all, the best part is you'll start to get into this service and you'll start to enjoy the service and you'll start to realize that God's got something for me and then all of a sudden you'll realize that again, as we go back to the cycle again, that cycle in your life as you begin to feed on these things, you'll start to realize that God will start answering your questions. You'll start over here, and you'll start hitting this. You'll, just, you'll put a desire in your heart to start praying more. You'll start to put a desire in your heart to start reading the Word. You'll put a desire to do this, to do that. And next thing you know, when you come to church, you're excited to be there, and you're praising the Lord. As Brother Max would say, you got your joy shoes on. And you're showing up, and you're ready to praise the Lord because He's done something for you. And you can just praise Him. You can throw up your hands and praise Him again and again because all I have is a hallelujah. And you just... Just give them everything, and it's not that, as the song would go on to say, it's, I don't have much. I have nothing fit for a king, except for a heart saying hallelujah. There's nothing that you can give them. You can't physically do something for God that's good enough to please them, as Saul tried that himself when Samuel told him and said, hey, that's wrong, you can't do this. You didn't kill all the Malachites. And he said, yeah, but I brought all these sheep. I brought all the oxen. I did this, and I brought a sacrifice to the Lord because that was, he thought it was the right thing to do. And then Samuel goes, no, God doesn't care about your sacrifices. He cares about your obedience. It's not that it's, he wants you to sacrifice, but he wants it to be a sweet-smelling sacrifice, not this bitter thing in his nostrils that repulses him that he doesn't want, that he doesn't want to have any part to do with. He didn't want to have to do with Saul's iniquity, because he disobeyed God's Law The offerings that Saul, or, yeah, Saul was going to offer weren't going to be pleasing to God because there was iniquity behind it. There was sin in there. There was sin in his life that he didn't clean up because he was told to go and utterly kill the enemy that was bombarding him, and he didn't. Instead, he killed this portion, and then he took the animals. But God said, kill everything. Don't leave a hoof behind. He said, slaughter everything, every man, child, woman. And the worst part of it all is he brought the king home with him. He brought... He brought the enemy home right into his camp, and he didn't even have the courage to slay him. So much so that he brought him into his life, and in his own self, he was so bound that he couldn't even kill that enemy himself. Samuel came and he put his um, foot on the throat and ended up killing the killing the Agite. And then you, and if you read the scripture, it goes on to say from that time, Samuel no more talked with Saul. And after that, Saul falls into his um, moods and the devil starts attacking him and the devil starts bombarding him and that's when David comes in and starts playing music and it starts to set him free it starts to deliver him but he was bound already at this point and he didn't accept the freedom that was there but at the very end of the scripture when he dies when Samuel speaks to him when the witch brings him up and he talks to him and he says that you'll be with me you're going to come. He tells Saul you'll be with me. So he was bound by something, but he wasn't utterly lost. So he was bound. He let a devil take him and bind him because he didn't fulfill God's word and it destroyed his life. But yet he still made it to heaven that God still had anointed him. God still had made him king, but he had disobeyed God and he couldn't come to the true fulfillment of what his life had for him and that's the same thing as when you let the devil start moving your focus now and he's going to take your focus and he wants to throw you on something else that now you're putting a limit on your life what you're limiting what God will do with you because now you're not in a position it's not that God can't do it it's that you're physically not in a position for God to let you do it and if your life's not in a position for you to do it then God's not going to let you do it he won't um, he's protective of his gifts. He's not just throwing things around here. He's not just throwing things out. And gifts and callings do come with repent, um, without repentance. Like there is a, there's a scripture about that. Brother Bram talks about that as well. But God's not going to let your gift in your life come to its true potential if your focus is off of him. And so simply all I would say tonight is just take your focus and move it back on Christ and just begin to fall in love with Jesus again. And all these things won't matter anymore. And all these things that bombard your life, they won't matter anymore. They'll be of no meaning to you if the musicians would come. And there's no value to it anymore. You'll just begin to look at him and you'll just be able to say, I love you, Lord. And I worship you. And you'll just, yeah, let's sing that. And you just begin to... Uh, Just praise him, you begin to worship him, you begin to fall in love with him because of what he's done for you. And as amazing as it would be to always be in a perfect state and always stay perfect, but every time you fall and you come back, there's one thing just to, just think about how great God is and just think about how wonderful he is and how much he cares for you. Start playing falling in love with Jesus. And he's, and just take it as a moment to appreciate what he's doing in your life. Take the take the moment when you come out of those moments of darkness that you could just think about how good he is and how wonderful he is and use that, what the devil would try to destroy you with and use it for good and use it to look up to him and just think of how wonderful, how he saved you and how he brought you out and how he's redeemed you and set you free and it'll make it so much more real to you because you'll be able to look behind you and say, that's where I was just yesterday and this is where I hear him today and I'm free now and I just love him so much he's done so much for me he's just incredible amen let's sing that falling in love
5: with Jesus let's all stand oh falling in love